This morning we're back in Galatians chapter 3. Finishing up Galatians chapter 3, we're looking at actually probably the most important part of this chapter. Talking about what Christ has done for us. We start off a few weeks ago talking about how it's important that we start off this chapter in this, in this, as we start climbing these peaks, talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and how important that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and living our lives in faith and, and, drawing, and, and letting Him rule and reign in our lives. Then we talked about Abraham and how Abraham walked in faith. He lived his life in faith, and he wasn't perfect. He didn't live his perfectly holy life. He had a lot of things wrong. If you go all through Scripture, those heroes that we look up to in Scripture, they were all very flawed people. They all had very flawed characters from time to time. And that brings me hope, because <laughs> I've got a long way to go. My character is very flawed from time to time. And I look at these men and women and I go, wow, God still chose to use them. But Abraham was one of those that he had made some mistakes, and yet God still said, because of your faith, because of what you did, because of the way you lived your life, that faith is counted to you as righteousness. Your obedience, that, that obedience and faith is counted to him as righteousness. And we talked about Moses and how the law, God gave the law to Moses, and yet they still could not follow and obey the law. They could, still couldn't justify themselves to God based on the law, and that's why the law was given. One of the reasons why the law was given. Today, we're talking about kind of climbing that last peak. It's kind of the Mount Everest of the 14ers. I know Mount Everest is higher than 14er. But kind of the climbing this highest peak this morning, we're talking about how Christ fulfilled all those things for us. How Christ, He really encapsulated, He completed everything necessary for us for God to be pleased with us, or for us to be pleasing to God, or to come to God. Without Him, we have no hope. Without Him on the cross and what He had done on our behalf, we would be hopeless. Without what Christ, without Christ doing what He did for us, we would be going through this life in our own strength. We'd be going through this life in our own wisdom. We'd be going through our, this life hopeless without the true freedoms. We're celebrating Memorial Day this weekend, having the picnic tomorrow, and I hope that you guys have all invited folks, and you're going to come out and join us, and we're going to have a great time with the volleyball, the uh, cornhole set up out there, ultimate frisbee and football, and all kinds of stuff. We're going to be playing a lot, a lot of good, just having a good time together. As we celebrate the sacrifice of these men and women who have provided these freedoms for us, Right? It's not just a barbecue day, not just a day to come in and eat ribs and steak and hamburgers and brats and all those things, but we're celebrating what these men have done on our behalf. But this morning, as we think about the, their sacrifices, I'm immediately drawn to the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Without His sacrifice for us, we would be left to trying to justify ourselves to God by fulfilling the law, living the law. Without Him, we would be left trying to justify and say, okay, God, my good outweighs my bad. And God says, that's not good enough. Without Him, we would be hopeless. Without Him, we would be just stuck to our own devices. And yet, here we're going to read this morning and look at this morning how Christ completed 
everything necessary for us. And that's cause for rejoicing. So follow with me. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to the end. It says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are the, all the sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor Bronco nor Raider. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. There is all in, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all Christ. Then you are all Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Is that not encouraging? To know that we can do nothing, that we are all one in Christ. It doesn't matter our backgrounds. It doesn't matter what we look like or where we came from or the baggage we bring into this church this morning. We are all part of the body of Christ if you are a child of God's. That's exciting. That's exciting to know that, man, it's no longer. I don't, I'm not bound by this guardian the Bible calls. I'm not bound by the law. I approach God on his terms by faith. I don't come to him on my terms. I come to him on his terms. He is almighty God. He is the one we are to worship. He is the one that we lift up and we come here to honor this morning. He is the one we were singing about a few minutes ago. He is the one Dave was reading about a few minutes ago. He's the one we prayed to a few minutes ago. Because it's not about me. It's about him. So what exactly is it that Jesus did? If he came and he completed everything on our behalf, what is it that he did? And I got some notes for you in your bulletin this morning. Number one, he fulfilled the law of Moses. He fulfilled the law of Moses. All those 600 and something odd laws that were in the Old Testament, not just the 10, the 10 commandments, we like to focus on those. But even those 10, he fulfilled. But add the other 600 and something to it, he did them all. How many of us can say we've even fulfilled and, and have lived our lives according just to the ten? None of us ought to have our hands raised. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. We've all given in to those sins. We've all given in and done our own way, gone our own path, and gone, done what we want to do. And yet Christ came along and He fulfilled all of the law for us so that we wouldn't have to. See, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to the end of, Mount, of Malachi, the Italian prophet, all the way to the end, all of the Old Testament was building to this point. It was building to this point where it pointed to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. There's several preachers out today, they like to say, just ignore the Old Testament. The New Testament is for today. The Old Testament has no basis on what we need to know and understand for today. The Old Testament is the foundation for what we know and understand about the New Testament. Without the Old Testament, we couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about. I know I've talked before about the, the, the crazy man from the Gadarenes that Jesus went and he healed him of the demons and then he sent him out to talk to his, his city about what God had done for him. And he was the first uh, one to go out just being a five-minute Christian. Jesus says, you go and be a missionary for me. He only told what he knew, what God had done for him. And that's what I, I've kind of 
we all have that ability to do that. We don't have to know all the deep theological issues that are out there. But if you really want to know God, and I hope and pray that each one of you really wants to know God and what he's done for you, you would study the Old Testament. Last week I was chastised by Kay and John for calling out Leviticus. They were like, we love Leviticus. And I'm like, I do too. But most people, they're like, I just got to, it's like the sloth. I've got to go through it. But once you get in there and you understand what God is talking about, Leviticus is awesome. Exodus is awesome. Numbers is awesome. Deuteronomy is awesome. The minor prophets, Thomas is shaking his head. The minor prophets are awesome. These things that we kind of avoid, they, 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 they really do share with us. They help us understand God's character and what he's really about. And all those things in the Old Testament that we avoid, like the plague, they are building. They all help us to build and understand what God is getting, what Jesus is getting ready to do in the New Testament. Galatians 3.19 says this, Why then the law? If, if, the, if, if the Old Testament is, is worth nothing, it said, Paul is saying, why then the law? Why did he send the law? He says, it was added because of the transgressions of the offspring that would come to whom the promise has been made. Why was the law given? So that we could understand how sinful we are in the eyes of holy God. So we could understand just how abhorrent we are to God in our own power without Christ coming. But Jesus came as the offspring. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to live out the law in such a perfect way that all of our sins could be placed on him. All the ceremonies, all the rituals, all the priesthood, everything was a, they were a fine substitute until Christ came. Then he became that high priest. He became the perfect sacrifice. He became the fulfillment of all of those festivals. Now, all of a sudden, all those things you read in Leviticus and Numbers, they make sense. All of those things that the Jews did and the Israelites did all through the Old Testament, that they were just doing as tradition and rote memory, they all make sense in the person of Jesus because he literally fulfills the law. In Galatians 2, verse 17, it says this, So these things... These rituals, these ceremonies, these sacrifices, they're just a shadow of the things to come. But the substance of them belongs to Christ. The substance of all those things that we look at and go, oh, I really don't want to read about those things. I want to challenge you to spend some time, if you struggle with those areas in the Old Testament, take this summer and ask God, say, God, reveal to me yourself in those ceremonies. Reveal to me yourself in those rituals. Reveal to me yourself in those sacrifices. How do you fit into those areas of the Old Testament? And I guarantee you, when you begin to understand what those festivals and ceremonies and sacrifices were about, you'll see God in a whole new light. And you'll come to understand Him even more perfectly. You'll have His greater awe and a greater understanding. And you'll come into worship at the end of the summer and you'll go, God, Wow, you are a great and awesome God. Because you begin to understand just what he was that he did for us. Romans 10, 4 says this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. He is the epitome of that law. He is the end of the law. He fulfilled it. He brought it to fruition. 
for us, to all who believed. He obeyed the law of God for us so that we wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to have to fulfill and live out the 600 plus laws in the Old Testament. I don't want to have to always worry and wonder, am I living up to the standard of God? No, is the answer. I don't want to always have to worry, can I be good enough? Can I really do it? Can I, can I, can I? No, I can't. But that's okay because Christ did it for us. He obeyed the law of God so we would not have to for our salvation. In fact, Matthew 5, 17, he says it very clearly. He says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law for us. He didn't come to do away with the law. The law is still in effect for those who don't believe. The law is still in effect to those who are without Christ. As they come to God, as they die, and they appear in heaven, and they're standing before the Father, and He says, why should I let you in my heaven? And they start rattling off, well, I did this, and I did this, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do this. And they start rattling off all their things in their life. God says, I'm sorry. Uh, you have, you're out, your good does not outweigh your bad. And you enter into hell. As a believer in Christ, when we leave this earth, this past week, we had two dear friends uh, die, and, and, they, and they left this earth on the same day. John Sparks, many of you know him. He used to go to church here. Uh, he has been in California as a pastor for years. And terrible health conditions. But he was a great blessing to those of us who knew him when he was here. And then in one of, our, one of Regina's, my, one of our professors from Liberty, struggling with health and cancer for many years, both of them exited this earth. And as they stood before God, and he says, John, David, why should I let you into my heaven? And they can say, because Jesus fulfilled the law on my behalf. Welcome into heaven. It was no longer about us. It's no longer about how I live. It's no longer about how I have to be good enough, bad enough. I have to be good enough, good enough to justify myself to God. I can stand there and say, Jesus did it for me. Jesus lived the law, fulfilled all the law on my behalf, so I wouldn't have to. His righteousness is what I depend on. His goodness, His uh, perf perfectness, perfection. Yeah, that, that's the word. Perfection is what I depend on, not my own. Lastly, He endured the wrath of God instead of us. By fulfilling the law, by taking the, all, of, all the law on our behalf and taking our sins on Himself, He endured the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. As he hung there on the cross for six hours, enduring and all of my sins and all of your sins being placed on him and willingly taking them upon himself and enduring the wrath of God as God turned his back on his own son, he endured that. He took upon himself the wrath of God so we would not have to endure that. So we can enjoy the love of God. So we can enjoy the blessings of God so we can enjoy the presence of God. Jesus took it upon himself for us. Galatians 3.13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
He became the curse for us. Christ redeemed us. He purchased us from our slavery. He gave it all for us so we would not have to endure it. He said literally, I'll take the curse for you. I love you. I will take your curse for you so you don't have to endure it. Look at those last three words there in verse 13. He says, he took the, the cross, he took the curse for us. Literally, that's instead of us. He took upon himself. How does that lead us to respond? <laughs> How should we respond to that? And we're going to have a barbecue and a picnic tomorrow in celebration of what these men have done and men and women have done for us and justifying and guaranteeing our freedoms. How should we respond to Christ? Rock of Ages, the hymn says it this way. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Fell I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. We come to Christ in desperation, understanding what He has done for us by, t- by walking that walk and doing all that was necessary and fulfilling the law on our behalf. He said, wash me, Savior. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Because without you, without receiving that myself, I'm sunk. I appear before God and say, well, I've done this, 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 and I haven't done this, this, and this. And he says, that's not enough. We need Christ. Secondly, the other thing that Jesus did for us by completing everything, he completed the promise to Abraham. So he completes, he fulfills the law of, he fulfills the law of Moses, and he also completes the promise to Abraham. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the promised seed from Abraham's line. In Galatians chapter 3, 16 and 19 says this, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It doesn't say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to the one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Verse 19, And when the law, it was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made, and it was put in place through the angels by an intermediary. Jesus is that promised seed that was made to Abraham. Yes, God promised Abraham, through your seed, through Isaac, I'm going to build a great nation and I'm going to save the world through your offspring. And who is that offspring? But Christ. You look in Matthew and Luke as well, in the beginning, as they trace the genealogy of Jesus, one through Joseph, one through Mary, they all trace back to Abraham. He is the seed. He is the seed that is going to bring redemption, that has brought redemption to the world. Through that seed, through Jesus, we have joy. Through that seed, we have hope. Through that seed, John 8, 5, 56, Jesus said this, Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. He saw it and rejoiced. And the Jews were up in arms. The the Pharisees at the time, they were up in arms. How could Abraham see? Because Abraham looked down through history and he saw through faith. He saw that his seed, his ancestor, his descendant rather, 
would bring peace to this world. Through his descendant, God was going to unite this world and bring peace. Everything in the Old Testament from the very beginning was pointing to Jesus. By grace alone, he gives salvation to us. We've, we talked about this before. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own, not of your own doing or not of yourself. Like David, I, I've, I've read a lot of these verses in the King James or I studied them in New King James growing up. And so now as I read them in some of the more modern translations, my mind immediately goes back to some of these other ones. And this is not of yourselves or not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So I can't stand before God and say, I was so good, God, you got to let me in. I've done this, 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 I've done this. And God says, your works, they're like filthy rags. They aren't worth squat. They're worth nothing when it comes to me letting you into heaven. They're filthy rags you want to just throw away. Literally, they, they referred to some very nasty substances in the Old Testament. Those icky, dirty, filthy rags. You study what those are. I'm not going to elaborate on that this morning in mixed company. But you study what those are in the Old Testament. They were not rags you wanted to touch. It says that's what God sees your good works. Well, we have done nothing to deserve God's grace by its very nature, it graces the unmerited favor of God that He has shown to us. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us anyway. When I deserve death, He says, I give you life. When I deserve punishment, He says, let me reward you. I am His child, not based on, not because of how good I am or how much I know, but purely because of what Christ has done on my behalf. Because He died for me. His grace it literally means God's riches at Christ's expense. He did for me what I could not do. And I get to reap the benefits of it. You get to reap the benefits of it. It's His unmerited favor. Not a moral improvement program. We all try to be better, right? It's not a self-improvement program. It's not rule-keeping or checking boxes. It's not about being nice to others or getting our problems fixed so we can enjoy this life, right? That's not what grace means. That's not why we do it. It's not what he, he did what he did. It's salvation by grace, full and free. I don't go through life checking boxes. I've done this, I've done this. I'm not trying to improve myself through reading some self-help manual. I'm letting God fill me so he can make me the kind of person he wants me to be. Not the kind of person I want to be. He makes it so that we can become who he wants us to be. That's what grace alone is. Through grace alone, He gives salvation to us. Through faith alone, we have received the God's Spirit in us. Salvation today is received the same way as Abraham received it, the same way that David received it, the same way that Job received it. It's the same way that Moses received it, the same way that all these other saints of God received it, by faith, by faith, by faith. The law was there, remember, so they could know how sinful they were, but they all came to God. We all come to God the same way. By faith, by submitting myself to him and saying, God, I believe and trust in what you have done on my behalf and I accept it and I want to live my life to honor you and glorify you. By faith alone, God places spirit in our lives. And that Holy Spirit changes everything. 
right? It, it, it makes me no longer desire to sin. It makes me no longer, des- he makes me no longer desire to live my own way. He makes me no longer desire my will. I now desire his will. I now desire to, to do things because I love him. I now no longer, des- I don't longer do things out of fear. I serve out of love. I worship out of love. I come together and, and I love on you guys out of love for what, because of what Christ has done for me. The Holy Spirit changes everything in our hearts. We have the living presence of Christ in us. He helps us enjoy that freedom we were talking about that can only come through a life of submission to Him. Are you submitted to Him today? Have you truly submitted yourself to Christ? Galatians 3, 25-28 says this, it says, now that, Christ, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian, the law. For in Christ Jesus you are the sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free. There is no male nor female. You are all one in Christ through faith. Romans 8, 9 says this, You, however, were not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Now, I can't see the Spirit of Christ inside Drew. I can't open him up and say, cut him open with a scalpel. I I can't see it inside Dave. I can't see it in Rich. I can't see it in Mary or Regina or anybody else in this room. I can't physically, with my physical eyes, see the Spirit of Christ in you but I see it manifest in your life. I see Him manifest in the way that you're living. I hear Him manifested in the way that you speak. I witness Him manifested in the love you have, we have for one another. I witness Him every single day in so many of us because He is changing us. He is redeeming us. He is making us more like Himself. Four years ago when I became your pastor, I have seen such a transformation in many of your lives. I've seen a transformation I've seen as God is working baby steps and baby steps in your lives. To me, that's confirmation. Because I can't physically see the Holy Spirit, but I see your life being changed. I see your life being changed. I see you drawing closer to Himself because of the Holy Spirit's work inside you. Is the Spirit of God inside you today? Have you received Christ? Is the Spirit of God living inside of you? Is He making a difference inside of you today? Have you put your faith in Him and in the work that He did for you? Or are you trusting in your own work? Are you trusting in yourself to get to God? As we celebrate Memorial Day this weekend, and we honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Remember the greater sacrifice of Christ on our behalf so that we can enjoy the unmerited favor of God from now on, that freedom which brings true life. Is the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Is He making a difference in your life? Is He making a difference in those around you because of you? Are you growing? Are you different now than you were a year ago? Are you different now than you were four years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? 
Are you a, a new creation, the Bible calls? It's God changing your mind and your actions. See, that spirit inside of us is critical. And if you've not humbled yourself and submitted yourself to Christ, there's no hope. 